Welcome to the Let's Talk Battle Rap Podcast, your battle rap podcast of New York. I am your host, France. And here we are today at Monopod, a one-on-one, just you and me. I'm starting to get the rhythm of these things. I'm starting to get my comfort, my groove. I'm starting to really like these things, you know. I'm in the studio by myself, comfy. Get a chance to unwind, get loose. Talk about a handful of topics with you guys. I think I'm going to pick four topics today that I want to talk to you guys about. And I might start doing this a weekly thing, you know. Talk about battlers, talk about matches that haven't been talked about or being promoted. We'll talk about things going on this year, the landscape of battle rap, things outside of the culture that's affecting the culture. Who would we be if we didn't bring it all to you? This is the most versatile battle rap podcast in the world. And as always, if you want to follow the show, LTBR at Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to email the show, let's talk battle rap at gmail.com. First and foremost, round of applause. Congratulations to RBE for a successful event. Fresh off of the ladies and gents weekend. I have to say, honestly, I was really happy with this event. It felt like RBE again. Because we've had a couple of events in the music room. And they just haven't been the most exciting events, I guess, to say the least. The energy there doesn't always seem potent, excited, amped. Except the closure event. That was a really good event, too. But... It's like that sometimes the crowd is scared to react in the music room. But ladies and gents, you had everything there that you needed. And I want to talk about their headline battle. Chef Trez versus Ill Will. Great headliner. Shout out to Chef Trez making his debut in ATL against Ill Will. That's pretty fucking cool. I think that didn't get highlighted enough over the weekend. And Ill Will, back-to-back cave gang battles. How about that battle I have? Nice battling... The little bro, chef. So, I want to take this time of the monologue to kind of talk about Ill Will's 2019 and his, I guess, quote, champion of the year run. And I say quote because obviously nothing is in ink yet. Nothing is dry. The cement is not dry. There's still, what, uh, shit, 19 plus 31. There's still 50 days left in this year. That's, what, seven weeks of battle rap still? Some of these guys create material in three, four days. That's a lot of time for some of these guys. Something could happen, you know. But I want to talk about Ill Will's 2019 because shout out to Battle Rap Stats. I'm going to steal this from you. Ill Will is averaging a triple double this year. What does that mean? He's battled on every of the main platforms, the, the top premier leagues URL, King of the Dot, RBE, twice. Sirius Jones, Pearly Gates 3, Scotty, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, both RBE. Battle Pass at Town Business 1. Ilmac at Mass as both the King of the Dot battles. It's Battle Geechee at Band 3. And then Av at Born Legacy 8. And now I just came up with the Chef Trez battle too. So there you have it. Triple double. All three of the leagues been there twice. The only other person that's battled on all three leagues this year is Young Cannon. Shouts to Young Cannon. He ain't do it twice. And Ill Will's also had a couple battles in the trenches. He's battled uh, out at, um, shouts to Guerrilla Warfare. He battled Pyrex, Chicago. I think that's the same car where Verb battled Gage at the top of the year in January. And he also battled out at, uh, I think, Bloody Scene Battle League. So he's got a couple battles in the trenches alongside these five main battles. And the, the level of competition goes up and down, right? Like, if I were to give... Let's go, let's go through Ill Will's resume real quick, right? If I was to give 
his opponents a rating between one through four. Sirius Jones, he's a legend. But going into the match, we knew what the narrative was. That's a two. Scotty, that's a one. So strength of schedule is not so strong yet. But then he gets past in Oakland. Whether you think pass is past his prime, no pun intended, pass in Oakland is no easy assignment. Especially for a card, the King of the Dot felt completely rejuvenated. This is the first time King of the Dot has been in the West since 2017. That's a four-star battle. Off strength, for, off strength for schedule alone. Then he gets Ilmac, who's a legend. That's another four-star battle. Gets Geechee Gotti, but he gets a Geechee Gotti that's a little... Uh, a little fatigue, a little sore. Back-to-back games for Geechee battled John John the Dom the week before. But Geechee Gotti is probably number one on the list. So the lowest you can give that battle is a three. The only reason you could give it a three is because Geechee Gotti had John John before. And then a couple weeks later, he was going to battle Big K and, and NWX. So, you know, it could have caught him slipping on one of those late nights. You know, in the basketball, <laughs> shouts to the NBA season, man. We see the back-to-backs. These players be hurting through the back-to-back, man. Imagine three games in five nights. Oh, man. It's rough. Or three games in four nights, I should say. It's rough. So, Ilwell could have sneaked one there. Then, um, Av is a four-star opponent. Av is one of the, one of, or if not one, one A, one B, the best puncher in the world. And he put the derailment on Av's run this year. Av's whole run was, oh, uh, hadn't lost a round, you know what I'm saying, till he got in front of Will. Yeah. That's big. So, that's a four-star opponent right there. And Chef Trez in Atlanta on his, on his RBE debut, it's a three-star opponent. So, when you look at his, his schedule, the difficulty is there. The quality names are there. The opponents are there. The versatility is there. You know? And I think one thing that's criminally underrated about Ill Will is how much of a mogul he could be. Like, he's not attached to any league. He's attached to his own brand and what he brings to the game. Like, and he's been this way since 2014, really, since Summer Madness 4. He's supposed to be booked against Arsenal. It didn't happen. And after that, you know, him and Yoro kind of had a little fallout where he took control of his career. And that's what I love the most, when battle rappers take control of their career. Like, we understand that you're battling on URL, King of the Dow all the time. You know, you're getting plates from the big leagues. But it's something to, it's something to be said about that battler that can say, hey, I got a battle at bullpen. Hey, I got a battle at King of the Dot. I got a battle on RBE. You know, I got a battle on URL. Only a handful of guys can really do that. You know, after 2014, Ilwell did what? He battled the uh, Buchanan on RBE, show off when he was a big name on RBE, took his talents to King of the Dot and battled Big K, put on a nice battle with K-Shine out of Guerrilla Warfare. Then he finally got Arsenal off of, like, off URL. He got, I think, on, on, on Mike Murder's TV. So out in Pontiac, I believe, actually. Could be wrong about that, but. After all that, URL could no longer deny him. They had to bring him back. They had to bring him back. 2016, the Rum Nitty battle, the Clips battle, then you throw him on Gnome 6 and 7. 
it was undeniable at that point. And I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough when you talk about Ilwell's career. And the second thing about Ilwell's career that I really love the most is his versatility. This guy obviously brings an array of skills to his arsenal. He can freestyle. He can punch. He can get aggressive. He can angle. You know, he can perform. He's funny. Like, that makes him dangerous. But more importantly, all those versa- those that versatile skill set makes him very open to a variety of matches. Look at his resume. Sirius Jones, Pass, Ilmac, Av. Like, he's battling a writer. He's battling a freestyler he's battling a pure puncher like he can he can be very uh ambidextrous with his opponents and create quality content and also his opponents have no choice but to push themselves because they know hey it will somebody that could fuck around and kill me if i'm not at full gear you know what i mean so you know i think that's something about it will that really needs to get highlighted and when you make these champion of the run years like there's going to be one person that's, like, dominating consistently throughout the year. And through the midway point, you're like, okay, I kind of have an idea who is in the top 10. But then September comes around. And there's that one person that's been pretty good that just pops. And it says, bam, well, he had a crazy battle in September. He had a crazy battle in October, too. And then all of a sudden, this person's name just gets boosted up. One more battle from Ill Will this year can really solidify and make a very strong argument. You know, I'm not going to say where I have him at, but I will say that he is definitely in the top five. Man, I'm very happy with Ill Will's uh, 2019 in this champion of the run year. I'm looking forward to see if he closes out the year strong. Now, I want to switch gears. I want to talk about another topic here. This topic's a little bit more intricate. It's a little more detailed, and we're going to talk about the COPA situation with YouTube, right? I think it's really important that we highlight this because it affects all battle rap content creators that use the YouTube as a platform, and it's time for us to kind of educate everybody on what exactly is COPA, how is it affecting YouTube, and how is it going to affect all of us. Okay, so this is a really intricate subject, so I want to be slow-paced and as detailed as possible with this, and by no means am I an expert, but I did all the research, did the reading, talked to a few people, and I hope I could spread everything that I've gathered from some experts and credible articles and the FTC website, www.ftc.gov. Um, let's see if we could talk about this in... Uh, Break this down for everybody. And, hey, media, if you're listening to this, too, shout out to all my guys in media. Black Compass, uh, Battle Rap Trap, Mojo, TTP, Top Tier Pod. So many of you guys to name. I don't want to miss anybody. But if you're listening to this, this is important, too. So the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, has been given charge to regulate COPA. And COPA stands for Child Online Privacy Protection Act. See, COPA started back in the 1988 primarily as a way to kind of just like protect children's personal information online. So, like, children couldn't necessarily give out their email addresses, their phone numbers, or social. I don't even know if email address was a thing, but email address, phone number, social security, any private information cannot be distributed online without a parent's consent or being notified. So, 
that was a whole movement and and purpose of COPA. Legislators didn't necessarily want like sex offenders or anybody else to like harm these children or contact them more importantly in any kind of possible method. So major changes from COPA came around 2013 when the FTC finally amended its definitions of the actual rules of COPA. And they started to kind of crack down on how COPA affected all type of online content, right? So back in 2013 was like the starting point of where it made it possible for content creators like us to be liable under like the rules. And this is where it makes personal advertising an issue. For all the guys on YouTube, you guys know that personal ads is kind of how everybody makes their bread and butter. Google and YouTube just reached a settlement with the FTC. It's going to pay a record of $170 million to the FTC for, I guess, some of their violations with the COPA uh, rules and regulations. So going into it, let's talk about the ads, right? Because this is where COPA affects everything necessarily with YouTube. It's ads. So there's two different types of ads we need to be aware of, right? There's personalized ads. There's contextualized ads. A personalized ad is based on a user's activity. So, for example, like whatever YouTube user looks at, their viewing history, that matches up with certain ads targeted directly to you. And it's aligned with your interest. And you've probably seen that already, like with your social media, on your cell phone. That's another conversation for another day. I'm sure we've all probably Googled something, checked something on Amazon, and bam, you know, we get it, we get hit with an ad. But personalized ads on YouTube is how most make their money because, you know, YouTube puts the personalized ad on the content and then it blitz the ad revenue with the creator. Like there's the display ads, there's overlay ads, there's skip and non-skippable ads. So that's pretty much how personalized ads work. And by removing personalized ads from, quote, child directed content, which we'll talk about in a second, it YouTube comes into a state where now it significantly impacts the business of content creators. Contextualized ads is based on what a viewer is watching at that current moment. So think of like TV commercials or if you have Hulu, think of Hulu commercials, right? So it's basically commercials for a specific show for that time. Personalized ads, personalized ads are not okay being placed in front of kids content without notifications or consent from parents. But contextualized ads are okay being used for children content even without the consent. Okay, so let's talk about how this applies to YouTube, right? Content creators are going to be asked, uh, I think at the end of this year or the start of next year, January 2020, to go through all of their YouTube videos and designate whether those videos are child-designated content, like child-directed content or not. There's going to be a box available. So you have to click on that box and say, this video is child-directed content. And if it is, it's going to have personalized ads shut off. If you fail to click on that box, the FTC can later on come in with like a sweep of enforcements and review the content that you have. And you could possibly face lawsuits or penalties up to, I believe, $42,000 per video if misdesignated. Child-directed content, honestly, 
it's unconstitutional at this point because how vague it is, right? I, I personally think that FTC themselves don't really have a narrow definition of what child-directed content is. And honestly, it's, it's strange to me because I feel like if this is to protect the children, you know, you have YouTube Kids, which doesn't have personalized ads on it. And, you know, you have the YouTube policy that you have to be 13 years old to sign up to actually have a YouTube account. But I guess the FTC is also aware that there's a lot of parents that have their own accounts and give tablets to their children or just let the children get on the computer. Shout out to my old head. Shout out to Vlad. He always talks about this, like parents just giving their tablets and their technology to children without necessarily filtering things out sometimes, which is a really important thing. And I guess it's actually affecting YouTube as we speak. So, you know, it's strange too, because also if you really don't want ads, you can also pay for premium. YouTube, you know, YouTube premium is available if parents don't want advertisement, but the FTC is pretty much removing the parents from the equation. So now parents don't necessarily have any leverage on consent. And honestly, personal ads is what fuels the engine for free entertainment and free content that we provide to people. And I think this is going to honestly discourage child content creators and it's going to encourage more mature content creators. You know what I mean? Like creators need evidence that your content or YouTube, I should say, YouTube needs evidence that the content creators videos is not directed to children. So it's going to probably have more swear words, mature related topics, mature related content. All these things get back up your case, right? That your video is quote, not child directed. And I feel like this is going to affect, you know, um, families to try to create children videos, children with special conditions, LGBT minority groups, those kind of content creators. They're going to suffer the most from this regulation. I think it's going to harm more than it's going to help. Um, what will it mean for battle rap? Here's my conspiracy. I think URL knew that battle rap was leaving the YouTube era. Shout out to Minnesota Luke. He made a video about this a long time ago. I think 2017. About is the YouTube era for battle rap like finished? Are we transitioning out of this area for distribution of battle rap, right? And it's very possible that we could be. And URL probably knew this was going to come sooner or later because Cope has been around since, you know, it's been around for decades. And, and this whole case has been around six years already since 2013. So maybe URL thought to themselves, we need to find a way to have our own platform for the content. And this is where I think it gets interesting I battle probably realized the exact same because I battle, we could be honest, they kind of cater to a different demographic and fan of battle rap, but more importantly, they're open to variety of markets and the global market because they have really good connections with UK leagues and UK fans. So I think this kind of opened the floodgate for I battle to purchase content, purchase a lot of battles and things from other leagues. So Either we're going to see a flurry of a lot of battle rap apps real soon. We're going to see a flurry of content creators, you know, using Patreon or other variety ways of of controlling their platform and charging for the content. Or we're just going to see a monopoly of a few dominant leagues with the capital control the market. You'll probably see like maybe RB King of the Dot collaborator app, you know. 
and then they'll they'll dominate and take over things. You'll see Choctaw battles on it. You know, you'll see RB battles. You'll see a couple of small leagues on it. Maybe bullpen. I don't know if bullpen to start an app, but bullpen will definitely start selling his battles to URL. You know, so we'll probably see, we'll get a variety of battle rap apps, but that's just going to create a lot of division. So. If anybody else wants to jump into this battle rap app market, it, sooner than later, because once there's more than three, I guarantee you fans are not going to be paying for three different apps. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> That's three subscriptions, bro, for one genre of the same content. When you can get a Spotify account and get all of hip hop, all of pop, all of R&B, why can't I get all of battle rap in one location? So one of these two leagues, iBattle, URL, somebody's going to figure it out where they can take everything. Might be our battle. It sounds like Lex knew what he was doing. Um, hope this little bit of information might have been a little drawn out, but I hope this gave some insight to you guys as to what exactly is Copa and how it's affecting uh, the battle rap content creators and us as media. I want to switch gears now. want to talk about, I don't got too much time left here, but I want to talk about T-Rex. T-Rex and T-Rex going down in a few weeks. T-Rex's performance against Rosenberg Raw. Oh, man. <sighs> I have my hand over my face for this. Just a face palm, man. This is uh, it's embarrassing to watch because Rex is a legend, right? Rex is a pioneer. Rex is one of those guys, right, that I won't say built this, but you can't tell the story about a rap without T-Rex. And I just feel like Watching him have such a strong decline in his career, it's hurting his legacy, right? And after a while, sometimes you have to value your legacy more than anything else. And I can never tell these MCs to not battle or not do certain things. They have to go get their money with the God-given talents that they can, you know, do what you do what you can. But the unsportsmanlike conduct, it's just cringy to see. It's, it's not a cool thing to watch. Rex... Is a is a great at selling his battles. He's great at promotion, a one. But when it comes to the actual performance, maybe it's not up to par because Rex's best days are past him. But the way he treats his opponents, it's just immature, honestly, and needs to be held accountable. I think Rex has a lot of yes men in his group. And I don't mean by dot mob, I just mean whoever he's there with at the time. Like, he has a lot of yes-men. Nobody's telling him that, like, yo, what you're doing won't look good on the content. It doesn't make you look good. But the crazy thing is, this is nothing new. Like, Rex talking through rounds, like, in the DNA battle that happened there, right? Uh, shoot, we can go to Rex's debut on URL. He was talking through mass rounds. If you watch the beginning of T-Rex's third round... Math grabs T-Rex shoulder says, yo, I'm not talking while you're rapping. <laughs> like, that, that literally happened. You know, Rex talked through Awkward's rounds. Uh, Rex talked through, uh, I think, Artisan's rounds. Had a little incident with Arsenal. Talked through Verb's rounds. What else, man? Um, he he time kept for Cortez. So, well, beyond talking through rounds, he's also, like, clocking the his opponent. And that's always been controversial for me because I'm I for one enforce time limits. I want time limits. I don't want the battle to be long, drawn out. 
makes for shorter content, makes for more digestible content, makes for an even playing field. But I guess it just looks bad when you when you cut your opponent off. It'll never look good. And that's going to be the biggest discrepancy of battle rap forever to come. Until you put a clock in the stage for us as fans to watch, until you put a clock on the corner of the screen so that us as fans can watch from home something, um, you're going to always have time limit discrepancies. And Rex is, for one, not ever going to let you rap more than what you're contracted for. <laughs> not a single bar. And if you do, he'll get off the stage. If you or he'll stick to his material. He did it with Shotgun Shug. Um, talk to Danny Meyer stuff. What else, man? This this uh, talk through uh, Reed Dallas stuff. It's a lot of incidents. There's a lot of examples. So it's not just like you could point to the Rosenberg Raw situation and say, "Oh, Al's fucked up." He has a track record of this, you know. And so for him having a track record of this, being out of his prime. Having a couple performances to just, you know, don't really hold up well. And also losing a handful of battles like the Reed, the Kayshawn, the Danny, uh, the, you know, go far back to the clips. Um, it's just, it just hurts his legacy. And with the Tay Rock battle coming up, I, I, I'm glad that they got a chance to speak, I guess, somewhat. Or Stiz has made it clear that there will not be any violence at the event. Cool. The fans get a show. But I hope that that Rex doesn't come to, you know, be in front of T-Rock, talking through T-Rock's material, being rude, bumping him, getting aggressive, because, you know, then the content will get ruined on his own. So, honestly, this is a battle that at this point, that if it just finishes in peace, you you, you just, whew, in relief. You know, it's just one big sigh that you're happy this battle is over. We can move on with our days. Um, but more importantly, this I didn't even get a chance to talk about this part of Rex. And I want to before I move on. Rex doesn't have the stamina anymore, really, in battle rap. Right? Like, I, I think with Bill, like he had a really strong first round. It felt like old Rex. That's what you said. Like, it felt like old Rex. But with, like, Redala's out of breath. With Keisha, I only had one round. You know, um, the T-Top battle, better than most people gave it credit for. Honestly, he he didn't get killed that battle or anything, but you know T Top just took advantage of his opportunity more than T Rex did. So for years now, it just seems like Rex can't hang for a whole three rounds. But the fact that this battle is a one round that changes the entire dynamic. If you give me a Rex that doesn't come with any antics or any unprofessionalism, which is by his track record hard to say he won't bring. I think I like Rex to win this battle. I do. I truly do. And I might get killed for this. Um, Rex is one of my favorites too, so I'll get that out the way. So clearly me being critical of him doesn't doesn't change anything. I'm I'm fair as I can ever be. But if you gave me a battle rapper and you tell me you have one round, money on the line, who you going with, it's always gonna be Rex. It's always going to be Rex. And I think that answers for a lot of people. And I know how this battle rap thing goes too, man. You're going to have one weird performance against somebody. The following one you're going to cook. And it's all going to be forgiven. Been here, done that. I've seen this song and dance a couple of times. Um, still a little nervous about the battle. I'll be lying to you if I, if I didn't say I wasn't going to hold my breath and anxiety for how this battle is going to go. But 
if it goes off clean, if it's peaceful, and I don't get a Rex that uh, is being immature and a, and a bad sport on the stage, I like him to win the match. All right, and before we get out of here, I want to talk about shout us to Bull, Pen over Bull, John John and Don, throwing, I guess, the last event for Bullpen of the year. Top Bull, November 30th. It's a Bullpen reunion event. Pay-per-view available uh, with Rap Grid. Headline in the card, Loso versus Flacco L. First and foremost, is it a bullpen car without Loso headlining? And I love the fact that Loso and Bad News, they have their bullpen classic 2017. They came back 2018 on Southern Crown 3 and also headlining and co-headlined against Clone and C-Money. So like Clone and C-Money trying to take the torch for for bullpen. And, and now uh, Flacco L and Super Black are probably the next best two guys on the bullpen roster. And Bad News is battling Super Black. So Loso and Bad News still... You know, showing their loyalty to Bullpen and John John the Don. But let's talk about Loso and Flacco L briefly. It was a match that kind of threw me off at first because I would think now that Loso has kind of removed the Briz stigma from his name with the prep performance, having Doe Battle uh, Gates of the Garden and Doe Battle with Loose. I feel, I'm, I'm here thinking, okay, well, now Loso's probably going to chase some names. You know, Loso's all the way invested. He's. He's even said it online on social media. He's all in on his brand. He's all in on being an artist. Loso, the brand. Shout-outs to the merch. Go cop the merch. And Flacco, um, he's just one of those battle rappers that uh, people will label as a pen guy, right? Here's the thing about the pen guys for me. We know you're lyrical. You can rap great. And I don't mean to say this in any way to downplay him, but, you know, I want to see it when it matters most, you know? Spit that heat when uh, Trez and Flacco have their battle. I thought I thought both of those guys were going to be the next two guys coming out the South. I thought they were going to follow Top and Briz. And, you know, he's a little bit more inactive, Flacco. And um, I think that's one thing I do like a lot about him. The catalog-wise, he only have, I think, 15 battles under the catalog. So them legs are fresh. The pen is still fresh. You know what I'm saying? There's not a lot of battle rap mileage on him, so the ceiling could be high. And um, he just had a battle with Trax this year. Fire battle. Um, definitely didn't get enough credit. Doesn't get enough credit. It's not talked about enough. But after a while, I just kind of want to see these guys with this talent and his ability perform when the lights are the brightest. You know what I mean? And, and I don't think this is his first headliner, actually. His first headliner... On bullpen was the respect the pen card against Ladaze. It's a two day event. He headlined day two, but this is his real big test, right? Like battling, I guess the the icon of bullpen, right? The star that came out of that league, and believe it or not, Loso respects his pen. Loso thinks he's one of the best in bullpen right now. So Loso wouldn't take this match without that honorable respect as a competitor, but. The one thing I want to say about Loso is that he's kind of already proven that when you put him in the ring with people that I don't want to say are lower than him, but just a step below him as far as rank, as far as popularity, as far as even skill, as far as experience, as far as stages touched, he always kind of shows the difference. Like when he battled Lou Cipher, showed the difference. When he battled uh, Clone, showed the difference. You know what I'm saying? When he battled... Hundog <laughs> show the difference. He kind of takes these situations and say, "All right, cool. I'm, 
I'm supposed to outclass you, and I'm going to outclass you. And I'm not going to take my foot off the pedal, and I'm going to give this league 110%. At least he doesn't come to the bullpen and phone it in because it's gotten to the point where his name alone is going to be the draw because he's a star, but he doesn't phone it in. And I think at no moment whatsoever since the bridge loss will you ever see a Loso that doesn't give 110% for a battle. So this is a really big test for Flacco. Um, I would love to see what comes out of this. I know you can write. I know you're lyrical. But I want to see some more performance. There's performances there. But I, I want to see some more entertainment. I want to see a breakout performance kind of thing. I want to see if whatever you bring to the table can be sustained and elevated to a higher plateau for your career. Because, I don't know, man, I just his his two biggest matches on his, on his catalog is Excel in the small room, Lada's A in the small room, and all those guys are more comfortable in the small room than the big stage. And people like that just don't don't get the credit they deserve long term. They get underrated. They don't get the matches they, 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 they deserve. They don't, they're never in front of competitors that can match their pen or they should be able to match their pen with. Like, I'm sure there's tons of guys on the URL roster that Flacco can rap better than. I'm not doubting that, but there's, there's something what you do on the stage and off the stage that matters, and I would like to see him do a little bit more off the stage after this battle. I would, I would like to see him promo this battle, too. I, I don't think I've seen him. I've probably seen him talk about it, tweet it, but I haven't really seen him, like, put the gas pedal, put the promo out. You know what I'm saying? Take full advantage. You know, these are good opportunities for you to kind of boost your, your career, and every time these talented guys get, like, a, a boost of momentum, it's like they never fully capitalize on the window, and then it shuts, and then people forget about them. And then it becomes like a, a politics thing where you never really see them booked on certain cards. And it's half politics, and half of it is just the league's not being able to market you, or like people not being familiar with you. This is a chance to make them familiar with you if, you're, if they aren't already. So, Flacco, I'm looking forward to whatever... You bring to the table, but I do know what Loso brings to the table in these situations. So, I'm going to leave it at that. And to uh, close things off, I think that's all for today. Yeah. I think that's all we got time for, actually. So, only got a chance to run through three of these topics. But, hey, listen, man. I'm here for the people. The people, the people. And more importantly, I want to say to all you guys... The monologues will be probably coming weekly. Stay tuned to that. And if you've been rocking with us for this long, appreciate it. Peace.